This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody, and happy, happy New Year to you. Welcome to Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. This is a live show. We give you a chance to break away from the national talking heads and all the play-by-play. We're local. We're live. We're here because we should be here. The Gamecocks, the Tigers played on Friday. This is your chance to express your feelings across the state about what happened in those games. The entire crew is here. I'm with Pat Daniel at our Dave and Buster Studios in Columbia. We're joined from the Berge Palace by Chris Bergen and from the Smitty Estate by Matt Smith. Happy New Year to everybody. Glad to have you guys with us. Absolutely. It's good to be back for a a brand new year. You forgot to mention, though, Phil, we were here Friday, so you and I actually got to do the uh, version of the Manning cast during the uh, uh, Gamecocks-Notre Dame game down at the uh, Gator Bowl while Smitty was covering it for us. We had a chance to basically break it down play by play. Yeah. It was kind of fun on Friday. It really was. It was. It was. Gamecocks had a you know, terrible ending to their game. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that. Smitty was there in Jacksonville. And Clemson, They um, a lot of things to talk about with Clemson. I want to hear from Tiger fans tonight and get their take on how that game went down and what they see for the future with the Clemson program. Is it is it hit – has it hit the stale point? Has it hit that uh, – that that peak point now because and, and you know I I don't want to um, and by no means push the panic button here it's it's only two years that they haven't made the playoffs and the problem is is that we've made the playoffs everything for the best schools in the country it's it's like if you don't make the playoffs despite what the coaching staffs might say and all that if you don't make the playoffs it's sort of a bummer of a year for you if you're a school like Clemson or Michigan Ohio State those. Those, you know, seven or eight who've been bouncing it around. And maybe that's going to now expand with the expansion of the playoffs because more teams will get involved. And maybe the fact that you don't make it every, you know, three or four years, um, well, that'll make it even worse, I guess, because the field's going to be be larger. So I just wonder how Clemson fans are feeling about the status of their program right now coming off a, uh, a loss to Tennessee in which I think their game plan in the first half was totally cockeyed. Totally cockeyed. We'll talk about that and what they were what they were thinking. Zach Willis will join us at 7.30, our last edition of First and Ten uh, here on uh, Sports Talk for this football season. And, Smitty, you saw the Gamecocks and Notre Dame play one of the best games of the bowl season. It was a game that uh, – you know, it was so good, it deserved to be uh, in prime time, I think. Back and forth, these two teams went, uh, and, and the Gamecocks had that early lead. They could not sustain uh, their offense um, sort of, I don't know, it wasn't great. They had some big plays. It wasn't great. Rattler was, for the most part. They didn't have much of a running game, but they couldn't stop the run once again. The Gamecocks had trouble with a mobile quarterback and stopping the run, something that's plagued them. Since uh, I don't know the 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 Eisenhower administration, I guess you could say. 
Yeah, you, you're right about that. But you know, you almost need to you need to distill it further because really, South Carolina stood up against the run for the first two and a half quarters, which makes you wonder. What if Zach Pickens is is available? What if Gilbert Edmond is available? And I, I, I have to ask, what are the thoughts of players like that as they see? What, what's Miles Murphy thinking? Um, uh, watching Clemson lose to Tennessee, what are those players thinking when their brothers in arms are struggling with depth in the second half, especially as South Carolina was against the run game? So I think the Gamecocks had the right – formula they knew they had to start fast you know they needed the game script to go their way and they need to get up multiple scores well they did I think the difference in the game is yes you're absolutely right they couldn't hold up against the run long term but I think that was a known commodity heading into the game I think that what they needed to do was hold the lead never fall behind make sure Notre Dame wasn't able to get that lead so they could lean on the running game and in truth in the second half Spencer Rattler and the Gamecocks just weren't able to string together first downs and keep the ball. Uh, Notre Dame won field position. They won the line of scrimmage in the second half. And had they just been able to come up with ways to get first downs. And again, it goes back. Some of this may go back to depth. Uh, Nate Adkins, the only tight end on the Gamecocks roster, goes out in the third quarter with, with an upper body injury. And I can tell you from being there at the stadium, Juice Wells was not 100%. He left the game twice. And that guy was just gutting through it probably because they were so thin at the wide receiver position as well. So I think not having your top wide receiver available to you and not having a tight end at all, I think that hampered uh, Spencer Rattler in the past game. And as you mentioned, look, South Carolina, you talked about the Eisenhower administration, how long it's been. Where is South Carolina's run game? Even with Marshawn Lloyd, they were not able to run the ball consistently this season. I saw that Eric Douglas, you put it at sportstalksc.com, he's on his way to the NFL. I don't know how Dylan Wanham and Eric Douglas are going to the NFL when they couldn't run block at their own level, but South Carolina could not make room in the run game, not just against Notre Dame, but all season long, and that made it a lot harder on Spencer Rattler, and I think that was a major key in the game. If Rattler makes throws and picks up first downs in the second half, then South Carolina's defense is a lot more rested and a lot more able to stand up to that Irish run game in the fourth quarter, which was the difference in the game. All right, our phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number here on Sports Talk. Love to hear from you tonight. Get your feedback on what went down with the Gamecocks and the Tigers and, of course, what went down finally, finally to thrilling semifinals on the same day in the college football playoff. You can't beat what you saw in the semifinals. Uh, what day was that? That would be uh, Saturday. My days are all, Correct. all messed up from traveling. And this felt like, I don't know what today felt like. Today just felt weird. I never could figure out if, if I was supposed to be working or sleeping <laughs> or mowing the lawn or watching well, the football. Well, problem is, Phil, we've got the Rose Bowl on right now. The Rose Bowl should not be played during the work day. We've lost so many great traditions in college sports. I don't know why this surprises me. But first off, the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl should not be played after the playoff starts. They should have figured out a way to get these in. I get it. The Rose Bowl does not want to move off its mythical New Year's Day 5 o'clock kick time in the East. But, I mean, this is crazy watching the Rose Bowl here this afternoon on a work day for a lot of people. Yeah, you're right. Is it a work day? That's the problem. I mean, banks are closed. Uh, post office is closed. I guess all government agencies are closed. A lot of people aren't working today. I know Smitty didn't make any money for us today, so a lot of people aren't working today. So, 
It's just one it's of those all on weird right <laughs> feeling kind of days trying to figure out how to approach the day. But you're right. It is kind of strange, but it's what's become of the situation with the playoffs and having to fit games in here and fit games in there. Um, so as, as I was saying, though, the, the semifinals were awesome. Just just yeah, awesome. Hurt. I mean, you hate it for the, the field goal kicker for Ohio State. Uh, I mean, that was just, what can you say? Of course, it was a long field goal, but makeable. But it never, it wasn't even dramatic. It never had a chance. As soon as it left his foot, it was dead left and uh, was not going to make it. So you could tell Georgia put so much into that ball game, the emotion on their faces, um, Stetson Bennett in tears coming off the sideline. And, um, you know, and, and so they advance. I mean, sometimes you got to be lucky. And they were good enough to hang in with Penn State and exchange blows. And um, and then there's the Michigan game. You had some calls there. You had the touchdown, no touchdown for Michigan, which turned out to be huge. And and TCU is um, – they're an exciting club. Um, they, they're fast. They've got some guys that can go the distance on you at any point. But if, if Georgia comes to play – this could be a real beatdown in the national championship game. This might be like the LSU-Clemson game a few years ago uh, in New Orleans. It'll be a no contest. Yeah, and I would hate that because it just goes to the narrative. Of course, that narrative is going to go away when it expands to 12 teams, so it won't matter about the group of five guys because there will be a spot for them. But I would hate for that, and, and I guess I can't consider TCU a group of five teams since they're from the Big 12. They just seem like – you know, they, they don't seem like they fit – with the SEC and Big Ten, do they? Now, they prove they can play with the Big Ten on Saturday when they beat Michigan. question is, now can they uh, play with the SEC? And they're going to find out because the SEC is going to run its best team out there. But you're right, Phil, if they show up, and I'm not saying Georgia didn't, but I'm not sure they played quite as well as we saw Georgia play during the regular season against Ohio State. I was impressed, though, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, at how well the Ohio State fans handled the missed field goal. No, that's what I'm sure they me were. So much. I'm sure they were calm, <laughs> cool, and collected about it. I'm, like, how many death threats popped oh up my on gosh, social media? It was awful. Yeah, I, I actually saw a Ohio State fan tweet out a picture, and, and I hate to even bring this up, but there was a picture of someone holding in his hand a handful of pills, as if to say, you know, take these and let's see what happens. It was just horrible stuff. And and I knew as soon as he missed that field goal, that was going to be the response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's sad. I mean, it really is sad. Uh, yeah. that, that, that that and besides that, just from a football perspective, not just not just a human perspective, a football perspective, you know, a lot of these coaches, and I'm looking at you, Dabo Sweeney, as well, and Kirby Smart. You've got almost a month layoff for some of these kickers, and they run them out there for a 47 yarder, a four, a 51 yarder, and they expect the kicking game to pick up where it left off. I'm watching these games, and I'm not second guessing; I'm first guessing, thinking this is bad. This is bad. Field position is so much more important sometimes, and these coaches are just running these kickers out there. And by the way, BT Potter's a perfect example. Where's your confidence level now? You fake one, you miss one. Where's your confidence level running back out there? I think the coaches as a group did a bad job during bowl season about selecting when to attempt long field goals. You know, the stats tell us sometimes those are not – high percentage plays, even some NFL kickers will miss those 48-plus yarders. And then look at the defense after you miss one. It lifts them. It's a big stop. They get the ball almost at midfield. So I I think some of the coaches made coaching errors in terms of the kicking game. I wouldn't blame that kid. I'd blame Ohio State for walking away with the timeout in their pocket and not trying to get more yardage and get a better look at a field goal. 
you know, you mentioned Clemson, the field goals. That was just amazing how the Tigers had such an advantage over Tennessee in yardage, in plays, in time of possession. They ran 101 plays and scored one touchdown. Now think about that. They ran 101 plays. They had the ball for 36 minutes. 68% of their snaps were in Tennessee territory, and they scored one touchdown. Now you got to go back and dig into that and figure out what the problem is there. Execution, play calling, not uh, as a player catching the ball or running the right route or getting through the whole whatever. That is just unbelievable. So when you think about it, Clemson had eight possessions in which they would have had an opportunity, to, let's say, to score a touchdown, though the 55-yard field goal, that's you know maybe a bit of a stretch. But they did attempt a field goal. When you add it up, the missed field goals, the made field goals, the fake field goal, the stoppage on downs, the bungling of the end of the first half, eight times they uh, came away with no touchdowns. So that's just not Clemson football. That is just not Clemson football. And to only score 14 points in this game is, uh, you know, is it is it an outlier? Is it a is it a one and done sort of thing? You you just flush it, and and of course you flush it because you go. It's a new team in 23. You start over, all new meetings, spring practice, the whole deal. You start building again, but you're going to have some of the key components back next year. Most of that offensive line returns. Obviously, uh, they're set at quarterback now with Klubnik. There won't be any competition. Who's going to push him at quarterback? It's going to be um, it's going to be all over again with um, the way it was with Uyangale when he had nobody pushing him. You think Vazina's going to come in and push him at quarterback? Um, so what happens at quarterback with Clemson? Does he get better? Is he the answer? I mean, he's got abilities. Now he did play like a true freshman, the deer in the headlights at times in that game Friday, making some mistakes and some wild throws and things like that. Um, the assumption is he will get better and be more in control and the Clemson offense will benefit from that. But I think, guys, in that game against Tennessee, they could have used an, an, an Uyangale in there. Because one thing about Uyangale, in the running game, he was straight ahead powering for yards. He wasn't scrambling, you know, eight, ten yards behind the line and either suffering um, loss yardage or when he turns it up, maybe you gain, you run 15 yards, but you only gain three or four because you're starting so far back in the backfield. So what do you think? You think, does Clemson have the answer in Club Nick and everything else on their offense moving forward in 2023? What's your take? If they had asked DJ to throw it 54 times, I'm not sure the result would have been all that different. For some reason... Brandon Streeter does not understand he's got one of the best players in the ACC and one of the best running backs in the country, and he does not give him the football enough. Will Shipley should have carried that ball at least 25 times. They had 14 more first downs and possessed the football, what was it, 36 minutes in that game, Phil? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do, how do you not pound it in once you get inside the red zone? When they kept missing field goals in the first half, you knew they were in big trouble. And Kate Klubnick should not have been their second-leading rusher. And why they continue to shield out both Shipley and Maffa in particular is beyond me. I don't understand why Clemson does not want to lean more heavily on their running backs as opposed to their quarterback as a running back. I would agree 100%. Yeah. That's a question that needs to be answered, Smitty. Uh, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that going into that ball game, 
look, it's fine for us in the media to make the headlines about Cade Klubnik. We get to write those pregame stories about Cade Klubnik. But the player heading into that ballgame, if you're a coaching staff, should be Will Shipley. Somebody should have gone to Will Shipley and, and probably next Phil Maffa and said, here's what we know about this football team. You guys, that's what we know we can count on. So when it's third and four, maybe even third and five, we're leaning on you. We're not going to put a freshman out there in his first start in the Orange Bowl, uh, you know, on an island in third and long and having throw to receivers who haven't made plays most of the season. I, I could not agree more. Will Shipley would have left that game on a stretcher if I were coaching <laughs> because he would have carried yeah. it 50 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's a guy that loves the football in his hands and gets stronger as the game goes on. All right, let's hit our break. And we'd love to hear from you. Phone number 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky number here to Sports Talk since 2002. More than $2.2 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to fund life scholarships for the state's college-bound students. You can learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. And playing for fun is a win for education. Lines are open. Love to hear from you. We're back on Sports Talk in a moment. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Think big, life-changing. I'm talking education, inventive, next-level education. Wake up. For 20 years, education has received billions in funding. Where, you ask? (laughs) Right here, across our state, in your own backyard. Who has done this? Well, if you've ever played the lottery, that would be you. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. Tonight is the beginning of the 40th calendar year of Sports Talk. I was thinking really? about that. Well, 1984. Now, If you count them up, calendar year now, calendar year. So if you count the 84 calendar year, and this is the 23 calendar year, that's 40 calendar years. Also something else that I created today, that if you counted just the month and the abbreviation for the year, it would be one, two, three. Mm-hmm. It How would about be. That? How, How about, about that? that? And, I, and I've got something that Smitty needs to work on for us right now, Phil, and we're going to put some heat because you and I figured it out. The show was actually born on September 4th, we think, somewhere in that neighborhood, 1984. That will be Labor Day weekend, which means it'll be time for the Southern 500. We need to have some sort of huge sports talk 40th anniversary celebration at at. Darlington. Oh. Gary Thart needs to let you, you've Maybe. been asking for years, let you sing the national anthem in honor of our 40th anniversary. Maybe we sponsor a car. Who could we sponsor? That would be Ooh. cheap enough. 
<laughs> who usually finishes 15 <laughs> laps behind that needs the money? Who needs who needs a $500 sponsorship for a tire? <laughs> we'll sponsor a tire for one of the cars. We, 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 may, we may have a better shot at having the car where they used to do the uh, – at, at Darlington, they used to do a thing where the drivers would go down, hop out of the car, eat a banana, and get back in the car and drive back the other way. The great um, HD in between Bailey. races. The great HD yeah. Bailey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we got some newsy things to talk about. Let's do it real quick here. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. So, uh, Brian Bressy announced today that he is leaving for the NFL draft from Clemson, and congrats to him. Uh, he did it the right way, in my opinion. You know, he stayed his three years. He played in the bowl game. He overcame an ACL. He overcame uh, a lot of personal issues this year. I think he gave Clemson everything he had. Oh, yeah. This is the kind of guy you just pat on the back, say thank you for a job well done. Uh, and he's projected right now like the number by PFF, the number two defensive tackle behind Jalen Carter out of Georgia. So why wouldn't you? It's going to be an early draft pick. And in his career at Clemson, you know his numbers were not eye-popping, but I guess playing mostly on the inside, you know, drawing double teams and the like. He only had 51 tackles. In his career at Clemson, 15 tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks. But he is leaving, of course, um, still waiting on word on K.J. Henry and also uh, Tyler Davis. I imagine, knowing how they do things up there at Clemson, they might do them one day at a time sort of thing so that you don't take the spotlight away from a player. Maybe not, but no word there yet. I am imagining that Rook will come back. I think that's kind of what he was saying after the game, that he'll be back uh, for next year. Now, South Carolina, since we were last with you, uh, with you, it's been an active time. The carry-on joiner, who uh, is Mr. Gamecock, should be called Mr. Gamecock, announced he's returning for another year. So that's a bonus for South Carolina. Gilbert Edmond leaving, defensive end. Uh, Amos, running back, is leaving, running back. Uh, Eric Douglas, here's another one you pat on the back and you say, great job. Eric Douglas gave you six years as a center at South Carolina, did a, a tremendous job. I think he got everything out of his body and his skill set that he could get, and he's going on to test the NFL. Hot Rod Fitton is leaving, another defensive end, and uh, Jalen Brooks uh, leaving as well, uh, announcing for the NFL draft for him. And, uh, you know, these guys, I don't know if they got a chance at the draft. Brooks had 33 catches this year. I'd like to look this up. Antoine Wells ended up as the leading receiver at South Carolina this year with 68 catches. Had a terrific year. The next leading receiver on the team was Brooks with 33. That's a 35-catch difference between your number one and number two receiver. I wonder if any other power five team in the country had that kind of difference between their number one and number two receiver be interesting to look up uh i won't do it maybe pat will one day when he's got some free time uh also of course uh was this over the weekend grayson mccall the word came out maybe it was yesterday yesterday you were on that chris grayson mccall apparently staying at coastal carolina well you know we talked about it last week phil and the one thing i, I kept 
referencing is the fact that he had not signed anywhere. We had not heard anything, and I thought the longer it went was probably better news for Coastal. But the fact they're able to bring him back with Tim Beck and brand-new head coach and an entirely new offensive staff for Grayson McCall to come back one more season, perhaps two. He's actually still got two He's years got left. two more years? Yeah, if Boy. he wants to take advantage of that uh, COVID year, mm-hmm. he would, you know, he'd have two years. I can't imagine he'll play both of those, but nonetheless, he's still got those available. So uh, it's a huge, huge deal for Coastal. I mean, that takes care of one major concern was that quarterback because, uh, you know, was Jarek Guest going to stick around? Will he stick around now that, that Grayson McCall is coming back? They've got a freshman they're awfully high on, got a chance to play late in the Birmingham Bowl, but no one with the experience that Grayson McCall brings to the table. So that that's as big a deal for Coastal as it would be for South Carolina if Spencer Rattler decides to come back. Yeah, that would be huge. And now, yeah, the question for South Carolina, Spencer Rattler. I mean, he ended up having a pretty good year. I'm not going to say a great year, too many interceptions. Mm-hmm. And he waited. I say he waited. I mean, things didn't really start to smoke for him until the latter part of the year. But he still threw for over 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. But it just seemed over the last quarter of the year, he settled in and felt like he was really in control. Let's pick up on that after the break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It is Sports Talk here on January 2nd, 2023. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel, right here at our Dave and Buster's studios in downtown Columbia. Remember Dave and Buster's. Be sure to get by there. Enjoy the the national championship game a week from tonight's NFL playoffs. NFL regular season ends next week. Playoffs coming up. NBA college basketball it's all at dave and busters where you can catch all the games you can eat you can drink you can have some fun playing in the arcade you can find them in greenville columbia myrtle beach great places i'm guaranteeing you you'll love it from the moment you walk in the place check them out dave and busters here in south carolina now let me update a few things if you want to join us 888-898-2525 is the number the rose bowl uh, shaping up to be a great second half. 14-14, Penn State, Utah, 17 seconds to go in the second quarter. So that that's a good ball game so far. And earlier today in the bowl action, Mississippi State playing with a lot of emotion and a heavy heart beat Illinois. It was actually uh, going to be a 13-10 final. And then Illinois got into the lateral game on their last play, and Mississippi State intercepted it, took it back for a touchdown. That crushed a lot of gamblers, I have a feeling. <laughs> I'm that wondering crushed. what the, uh, the line was because it was a fairly close game, but you're right, Phil. And and for a moment I got to thinking that now in college football, they don't make them kick the extra point. Had that been an NFL game, they would have been required to kick that extra mm. point because of that. Mm. But I don't think they, they require them in a the college game. But you're right about the lateral game. Mm. That was as well run up until the ball bounced off the turf and Mississippi State ran it back for a score. That's about as well as you could have draw, drawn it up if you were Illinois trying to get back and, and win that game. Mm-hmm. LSU smoked Purdue. I mean, it wasn't even close, even by the final score, 63-7. to They used two quarterbacks, Nussmeyer. He threw for 173 yards. 
Daniels rushed for 67 yards. So a 10-win season for Brian Kelly at LSU, 10-4. and four. That's not good enough for them. Well, maybe in year one, but that won't be good enough for them moving forward because that's program expects to win SEC championships. Of course, they did play for the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. They expect to win and get to the playoffs uh, 63-7. to seven. How about this? Tulane rallies to beat Southern Cal in a game that went back and forth, back and forth in the Cotton Bowl, 46-45. to 45. How about a win for the little guy? And Tulane finishes at 12-2, and two, and the Trojans finish at 11-3. And, and uh, the quarterback for uh, Tulane hit a bunch of big passes, 234 yards for Pratt and a couple of touchdowns. Their leading rusher, Spears, 205 yards. Caleb Williams threw for 462 yards and five touchdowns in a losing cause today. How about that? Now, a couple of other things to pass along. 888-898-2525 is our phone number. Get to your phone calls in just a second. Poll question of the week, and uh, it has been very popular in day number one. Uh, and I wonder why. Uh, Clemson suffered a, as I put it, shocking loss to Tennessee. I mean, I was shocked. Were you shocked? I was by the margin. Well, that's what I mean. It, it, yeah, I, a shocking loss. And Tennessee was playing with their backup quarterback, and Clemson mm-hmm. was playing with a new quarterback. I was shocked. Uh, Smitty, were you yeah, I shocked? Was. I think shocking's a good word, Pat. I think shocking's a good word. I like shocking. Uh, I, I, I would agree with what Chris just said. I, I you know, shocking – not that Tennessee won the game. I mean, that's the team. Look, they they clobbered LSU, the team we were just heaping praise on. But what I would say is I think everybody expected Clemson to put up – I don't know. You know what I might be shocked by? What you pointed out earlier, the amount of yards. If you if you were not told the final score and you just showed me the scorebook, it looks like Clemson wins the game. Mm-hmm. So I think what was shocking is they didn't do a better job of capitalizing on red zone opportunities and putting points on the board, and that being a close game. So, yeah. anyway, that's a long answer. I'm not shocked, but I do think the final score is somewhat stunning. Okay. Well, shocking is the word I used just to shock some people. Anyway, shocking <laughs> loss to Tennessee in the Orange Bowl, and they've missed the CFP the last two seasons. Now, you know, that's in most places, that's not something to fret over, right? I mean, South Carolina's missed the CFP every year. That has been in existence. All right. Clemson's missed it the last two years. A lot of teams have missed the CFP ever since it's been in existence. But when you raise that bar and the expectations are there, after a couple of years, people start to get a little bit antsy. But the Tigers still won 11 games. Ordinarily, that would be, you know, parade worthy and the ACC championship. Do you still consider them a nationally elite program? Chris, do you still consider Clemson a nationally elite program? I'll answer that question. I don't want to hedge my bet here, but what is elite now in college football? I think that's that's an interesting question to explore. No, it is is Clemson like Georgia right now, which I believe may be the only elite program in college football right now over the last two years. But is Clemson a really, really good program? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And are they a really good football team? Absolutely. They just had some losses that kept them out of an opportunity to play for the playoffs. And I'm not sure they would have won a playoff game against either Michigan or Georgia because they would have been seated lower than them. Mm-hmm. But in terms of elite, I mean, how many elite programs in college football are there right now? Okay. And so your answer is? Uh, they are not an elite team, but they're a very, very good program. Mm-hmm. Smitty? Yeah, I, I, my answer is similar. 
I think I look at this Clemson team, and if they've got uh, dating back to Kelly Bryant, DJ Uyunglele, or Kate Klubnick at quarterback, I look at those types of teams at Clemson, and I say, can that team win the ACC? Absolutely, they're the favorite. I fully expect Clemson to win the ACC next year, but do I expect them to go and beat Ohio State and Georgia or Alabama? I don't. So if the if the bar is, are they a national championship contender? I say they are not elite. They are the ACC champion in 2023. I fully expect that, but I think there's a big difference, just like we saw Pitt last year, just like we saw Clemson this year. Big difference between winning the ACC and challenging for a national title. Yeah, I would concur with the two of you, Pat. Any thoughts? You agree, disagree? Are we making something of nothing here? I really like what Chris said, is what is the metric we are using here? If we're going by... Elite meaning playoff caliber, so right now a top four quality team, or are we going top 12 for what the playoff will be? Will that still be considered elite? I would think that might be adjusted here in the next year next year or two. If we're using the current metric of top four teams, then, then no. They, they have absolutely taken a step back, but they are, they are still a very, very good team. They still won their conference. They still reached a an orange bowl which i think we all can agree to consider one of the big boy bowls still mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um they are still just below the mountaintop but i'm with chris also thinking georgia i might put ohio state up there as well i think i might go georgia and ohio state as the only truly elite teams even though ohio state did not win their conference this year alabama's great but i, I think they might have taken a, a small step back as well one thing i would like to point out though didn't get a chance really earlier was uh with Cade Klubnick. I do firmly believe he is the answer. I don't think the game would have been as close with DJ, but where I think DJ was sorely missed here was to be that calming voice on the sideline. We saw him in the ACC championship. If Klubnik made a mistake here, though, got to give a lot of praise to DJ, and he he was doing a great job kind of coaching Cade Klubnik up on the sideline, and I think he could have used some of that in this game. Um, And then also just I think Clemson refused to make a lot of the same adjustments. They could have taken a page out of, out of Notre Dame's book. Notre Dame realized that they were able to just run the ball down South Carolina's throat and wear down that offensive line. For whatever reason, Streeter and the offense just refused to do the same thing. And if they had just given the ball, continued to feed the Shipley and Maffa, we may have seen a different game. And lastly, I know I'm getting a little breathy here, but okay. lastly, Klubnik made a lot of mistakes that you would expect to see a true freshman make in their first collegiate start. And I can't help but wonder, and I feel like a broken record, I've been saying it since the Syracuse game, Mm -hmm. I do not understand why Clemson went back to DJ after benching him against Syracuse. I think that if Klubnik had been the starter for the rest of the season, we would not have seen those same miscues and those kind of brain farts, for lack of a better term, that we saw from Klubnik in that game the other day. He made some mistakes that he just were very head-scratching, including the back-to-back scrambles there towards the end when Tennessee was begging him to run the ball. They knew Clemson didn't have any timeouts, and he fell right into that back-to-back plays. Mm-hmm. And that, you, you just you have to know the situation, and he clearly did not. Um, but I think that if he had gotten more playing time throughout the year, we may have seen a different game. Well, it's pretty clear that Clemson, in personnel packages in some areas, has dropped off. Wide receivers, definitely not where yeah, Clemson no has been at wide receivers. Mike Develop. Antonio Williams, Adam Randall. Is Cole Turner going to be the next Hunter Renfro type of player for them? Um, if, uh, I think Antonio Williams probably fits that mold a little bit better, Phil. Yeah, he could be. He could be the guy. Um, 
they uh, relied heavily on tight ends this year. Can't mm-hmm. remember a year they relied so much on tight ends since they had um, uh, Leggett's. Leggett a few years ago when they were a national championship team, a guy that could get down the field. And he's, he's better than the tight ends they've got now. He was a pro. He went to the NFL. Um, and Davis Allen might go to the NFL as well, uh, but he wasn't, he wasn't that deep down the field threat that uh, Leggett was. So they, they are, you know, they're obviously weaker there at, uh, at wide receiver. Um, on the defensive side, you know, Hard to nitpick up front or at linebacker. They missed, you know, Trenton Simpson. He was hurt. Obviously, they could have used him. He would have been beneficial. Uh, their corner play, their safety play, you know, they got beat deep on a pretty regular basis this year. They got beat deep by Joe Milton in this game. Um, so they got to improve in that area, whether it's the coaching or, or better players. I mean, you know, everybody Clemson recruits is listed as a four-star or five-star, but they don't all play that way. So what does it mean? My um, thought is that Clemson right now is not elite, and they better look out for Florida State. They better look out for Florida State. And here's the other thing I wanted to bring up. You know, Dabo is sticking to his guns, his principles. Some might say it's being stubborn, whatever you want to call it. But is it going to catch up with them? Because here's Florida State, and they took a – they got a commitment from a transfer corner that Clemson wanted, uh, Fentrell Cypress from uh, Virginia. He's a, If you go by rankings in the portals, here we go with rankings, but I'll give them to you. He's the number four player in the portal. So they got him. They got the number nine player in Jaheim Bell, the number one tight end. They got the number 15 player, Braden Fisk, who's the number one DT. The number 23 player, Jeremiah Byers, the number two OT. And the number 42 player in Kyle Morlock, the number six tight end. Uh, and former Gamecock uh, Gilbert Edmond, who I don't think is rated that highly, uh, apparently is going to take an official visit to Florida State uh, this week. He's out of Fort Pierce, so uh, apparently they like him a lot. My point is Jordan Travis is expected back at Florida State next year. They are not going to be the pushovers. They found something the last half of the season. Gave Clemson quite a battle uh, down there in the regular season. They're adding all this uh, talent through the transfer portal. They are losing Jamie Robinson, who declared, the former Gamecock, who declared for the draft. But you better keep a watch out on Florida State now in that division. It might not be the cupcake Clemson's been used to, the cupcake walk through the division they've been used to uh, over the last, what, seven, eight years? Decade. Yeah, really. been a long time that they had anybody in that division. And, of course, they narrowly escaped Syracuse this year. Um, they narrowly escaped Wake Forest. They had some narrow escapes during the season. I mean, you're allowed – I mean, elite teams, even the, the best, might have one narrow win that they pull out at the very end to keep their record, uh, you know, perfect. Uh, Clemson had to uh, – they were a Houdini act there for many – uh, for more games than you would normally think for Clemson in their uh, in the in the ACC and in their division. Well, and Mike Norville has not forgotten the coach. I think it, the problem was he had to rework that culture down there into and, and reshape it into what he is used to having uh, with a lot better talent. And you want to talk, you want to talk about somebody who has lived in the transfer portal. 
he has turned that place into his own playground. Phil, and I think I think you're right about Dabo. He's going to have to seriously reconsider his thoughts about the transfer portal because I'm not sure you can survive moving forward in college athletics anymore if you don't spend a lot of time there. And here's the other thing just to think about, and I'm just thinking out loud. You know, you look at the Clemson sideline, and I could be totally wrong on this. I'm just throwing it out there. You look at the Clemson sideline during a ball game, and here's Dabo who is now more actively involved, and I'm not knocking that, he's the head coach. He can do what he wants. He's much more actively involved in all aspects, it appears, of the game than ever before as a head coach. Of course, before you had a guy like Chad Morris running your offense, uh, and you had uh, Jeff Scott, and um, and then you know that, that led to Jeff Scott and, uh, and Tony Elliott uh, running the offense, though they were younger guys. And you had Venables running the defense. But now you look... You know, he turns to his right, and you got Brandon Streeter running the offense, who's a former player under him, uh, or I guess when Dabo was there, maybe as an assistant coach. Um, you got C.J. Spiller, who's the running backs coach under him. Uh, you got uh, Kyle Williams, Kyle Richardson, I'm sorry, Kyle Richardson, the tight ends coach, who was a high school coach before he came to Clemson. You got um, – Wes Goodwin, who was an analyst on the staff before promoted a defensive coordinator. Um, you got, uh, well, Mike Reed's been there for a while, of course, been with him for a good while. Um, my point is, you know, Nick Eason was a former player there uh, at one point in time. My point is, is Dabo making a mistake? These are all good guys, and I guess they're good coaches. But there's no, it doesn't seem like he has that older guy on his staff who can look at him and say, Dabo, that's not a good thing to do. We're, we're doing something wrong here, da-da-da-da. Let's do this. Let's don't do that. And someone he would listen to. I mean, everybody around him has played for him or under him or is on the team or played at Clemson. Don't you think they might feel they bite their tongue a little bit because he's coach and it's, a really it's hard to question. question. It's yeah. hard to – I mean, maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe they do have open discussions in their meetings, in their conference rooms, and they do bounce things off of one another. And he is open-minded, and he does listen to everybody and what they have to say. I think uh, that's what Pete Limbo is for Shane Beamer? I don't think there's any doubt. That an older voice that will tell him, no, that's not going to work. Here's why. Does Dabo have somebody like that that will say, Coach, this is not going to work, and because of my experience elsewhere, here's why? That's a good Guys, question. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt that every staff, and, and, and I do think this Clemson staff has been reshaped with the loss of Jeff Scott, Tony Elliott, Brent Venables, just bang, bang, bang. Uh, I, I do think any staff could benefit, and who I always think of is Ellis Johnson. Every time we speak with Ellis Johnson and Chuck Reedy, and, and Ellis really strikes me as someone that will come up with stories and say, well, I remember when I was at Alabama and we were faced with this particular scenario and we tried this, which seems si uh, uh, similar to what we're going to run into this week against Auburn or Tennessee guys or at, on the road at Florida State. And I think that just having that Rolodex, just having that encyclopedic knowledge of situations you've run into in college football is absolutely invaluable. If I were Dabo Sweeney, I would go hire someone from that era of that age that is coached in 300 ACC or SEC football games just to have his voice in the room to give me that kind of input. Yeah. Uh, Pat correctly points out that Streeter was there in the 90s as Clemson's quarterback, and Dabo didn't get there to, to low three, so he didn't actually play 
under Dabba, but he is a former Clemson player, and I think maybe as a former player at the school and playing under a coach who's been there as long as he has, I just don't know if you if you can be forceful. You know, can you stand up and say, you know, that's not a good decision? I don't know. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe they do have that ability to stand up in there and and, and change things. And he listens to them and and um, and, and follows what they have to say. But he, he does appear to be. You know, very much active in every aspect. Uh, you watch him on the sideline, you know, he's got the headset on. He's involved mm-hmm. with the offensive huddle. He's involved with the defensive huddle. He's, he's involved with the special teams huddle, you know. And Phil, to add, you're making great points here. One more name I'd like to throw out there that I don't think we've talked about how much they've missed him was Robbie Caldwell. And not only would he be a calming voice, but also it's, you always have to kind of have that jokester on the sideline that loosens everybody up. In intense moments, he, he kind of helps everybody relax. And just think about all the sound bites over the years from Robbie, Robbie Caldwell, all the mm. funny things he would say. And he just kind of always came across to me as the guy that would help loosen everybody up. And right now, it just seemed like at times on the sideline, everybody was so tense and just kind of looking at each other for somebody to help ease that pressure. And I wonder if they don't miss him a lot, too. Yeah, I should mention Thomas Austin's a first-year coach, first-time coach. But Robbie Caldwell could have been that older head. Now, he's still around mm. the program. Woody McCorvey yeah. is still around the program, you know. But they're not actively coaching, so you wonder, you know, how much of a difference that makes. But you look at the number of young coaches on that offensive staff, and they all might one day become great coaches. They might be considered great coaches now. You know, it's all – it's your own interpretation. But, you know, Brandon Streeter, C.J. Spiller, Thomas Austin, uh, Kyle Richardson, um, Grisham at wide receiver, this is their first coaching job for each one of them. Am I right about that? This is the each one of them. Clemson is their first on the field coaching job. Often the case, and I, I would not pick. Look, I'm not picking on Brandon Streeter. I think he's in a tough position. But some of those names that you're mentioning, Corn, where else would they get a top ten college football job? What other team in the top ten would have Brandon Streeter as its offensive coordinator? Good point. It's only because Good of point. the connections mm-hmm. at Clemson that they have elevated. And that doesn't mean the program can't work that way, but your point is valid too. Then what those guys have to do is now they have that experience, hey, learn from it. You've got to learn from it and get better because I don't think they've been good enough so far. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent point. Let's squeeze in a phone call before we hit the top of the hour. Uh, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. We go to uh, Sam in Charleston. First, Sam, you're the first caller of 2023 on Sports Talk. Congratulations. You'll have all kind of uh, prizes uh, being delivered to your address over the next 24 hours. Oh, sweet. That'd be awesome. One of those prizes hey, um, will be a personal visit from Smitty. Uh, Smitty will be there by uh, 10 o'clock tonight, so have dinner ready. Uh, don't worry. I got some um, sausage burritos. So. Oh, you can't. Oh, Smitty nice. loves sausage burritos. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be there by. <laughs> I'll be there by eight. Um, so I have a couple of questions to, to talk, talk about a few things for tonight. I had to point out. I saw your poll question. We just said about Clemson. I really do think Clemson would be the top twenty-five school in the country. Just because um, they're a good football team and stuff, but their fans are obnoxious sometimes. Because I think sometimes when you win, sometimes you lose. But 
I'm trying to be careful on the air about this, but I don't see Clemson being a top 25 program because Davos family has a bad attitude from each team. He should be kicked out to be suspended for that because I know he's a great coach. He did great things by Clemson. But the thing is that, um, now speaking of which, have you seen Townsend versus Cougars? Have we seen who? Um, there's a home game on the seventh, I think, on this Saturday against um, Townsend. Um, I think it would be Townsend or 13th straight win this year. Oh, you mean the Cougars? Hey, how about them our city, baby? 23rd ranked Cougars. Yeah. Thank yes, you very sir. much, Sam. Yeah, the College of Charleston for the first time in 20 years, is in the AP ranking. Let me touch on that while we've got a moment here. They are ranked 23rd in the AP ranking this week. They are getting it done and looking forward to you know doing more basketball here coming up. Purdue is number one, followed by Houston, Kansas, UConn, Arizona, Texas, Alabama, Tennessee, Gonzaga, UCLA. Virginia's 11, Miami's 12, Arkansas's 13, Wisconsin is 14, Indiana 15, then it's Duke, TCU, Xavier, Baylor, Missouri, New Mexico 21, followed by Auburn, the Cougars, Ohio State, and Iowa State. Clemson, despite being 3-0 in the ACC, did not receive a vote. Did not receive a vote. That's a shame. Not a vote. That's, that's a lot of people not paying attention. Well, maybe the ACC, you know, the ACC only has three in the top 25, maybe – People don't figure you beat NC State, you beat Wake Forest, you beat Georgia Tech. That's not enough to show them. Show me more. Meantime, the USC women. Go ahead. I've I've always said Clemson and South Carolina on the men's side have to do more than most programs because they just don't get any respect. And obviously from a national perspective, that's point one. USC women, unanimous number one again in the AP women's ranking, and they play tonight at Georgia. Tipping off in just a little bit. Okay, thank you for the phone call, Sam. We'll take more calls. We've got uh, first and 10 with Zach Willis as well. Coming up, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we're back at you here in 2023. Show number uno here of 2023. Can you believe it's 2023? Does it feel like? 2023 to everybody out there (laughs) we're all old enough to remember y2k phil remember Mm. the earth was going to end 23 years ago can you believe it's been 23 (laughs) years since y2k where is my self-driving car (laughs) oh it's out there it's out there hovercrafts now yeah we were supposed to be like uh what cartoon was that that had the The uh, jetsons the The jetsons Jetsons. yeah yeah yeah. we're supposed to be like the jetson i'm supposed to be like george and um 
Wilma. Was it Wilma was the wife? No, no, that was Fred Flintstone's wife. Oh, that was Fred. Let's talk about it. That was the other end of the spectrum. From okay. Caveman to Space so What was George's yeah. wife's name? Jane. Jane? Yep. Jane. Yep. Oh, and Astro, and, and Astro the dog, Judy, right? Yep. Astro was the dog. Astro. Yep. Yep. Smitty, you have an Astro. Oh. I do. I have an Astro dog, and Rosie was the maid. <laughs> Rosie was the maid. <laughs> Let's not forget, guys, too, Back to the Future. Uh, when they went to the future, they went to 2015 and had hoverboards and flying cars. So <laughs> That's exactly right. We're, we're nearly a decade past that at this point. <laughs> and they only reached the 2015, huh? Yeah, yeah in, in Back to the Future, they had a uh, they had a twelve team playoff already by two thousand fifteen. Yeah, yeah, really. So we're we're way behind. Really, really, really. Pat, you want to feel really old? I was watching last night a rerun of NCIS, and Biff was a, a special guest star on that show. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He, he's gained a few pounds from uh, <laughs> from Back to the Future as well. Well, I don't know about you guys. I, I'm still trying to wrap my my head around 2020. I, I feel like it's 2019 entering 22. Sorry, 2020 right now. It's it's hard to believe it's 2023. You're still stuck in 2020? I do not. I'm not alone in that, am I? I these last three years have just been a blur of confusion. Yeah. All right. Uh, phone number 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number 1414. Penn State, Utah now. Early third quarter. Let's get back to the phones. We've got recruiting coming up for you. Oh, yeah. It's a new year. It's new recruiting. We'll bring that to you coming up in a little bit. Zach Willis at the bottom of the hour. The coach will share his thoughts on what he saw from the Tigers and Gamecocks in their bowl games on Friday. We go back to your phone calls, 888-898-2525. And it's Keith in Camden. Hello, Keith. Happy New Year to you. Welcome into Sports Talk. Happy New Year to you guys. I hate to be second, but oh well. Okay, that's all right. Uh, I joined a little late. I caught you on the tail end talking about Clemson. But uh, I apologize if earlier you spoke about the Carolina game. But uh, pretty disappointing. Um, You know, you you love those trick plays when they work. But I kind of felt like we were a little overboard. Too much east-west. And uh, I think we... Got a good idea of uh, areas that we need to improve on. Uh, it, overall, uh, you know, it's hard to moan and groan when you score 34 points and defense scores two, but it was just ugly. I don't know what you think about it, but, you know, what did we give up? 550 yards on defense? Yeah. Yeah, he gave up uh, a bunch. He gave up, uh, give you the total here. He gave up um, total offense, 558, yeah. 264 yeah. on the ground. You knew Notre Dame was going to run the ball coming in. Oh, yeah. You knew that. You just had to try to make them one-dimensional, but you didn't because they om- they threw for almost 300 yards, though you did come yeah. up with three interceptions. And, you know, you had to like the fact that um, what did Gamecock have in that game? They had two pick sixes. Yep. They had two pick sixes. And they also had a touchdown off of fake Field goal? No, fake punt. Fake punt. What was it, Smitty? Fake punt? Fake What was it? it fake field goal. Well, no, fake, real, punt. It, fake punt. It was odd. It, it was a fake field goal, but they sent Kai Kroger out there as the kicker. So it should have been a dead giveaway. 
Is that they, they had him in huh. punt? Yeah, they had him in punt formation, but they were really it was really short. It would have been a very short like it was too close to punt. It was like thirty nine yards or mm-hmm. whatever it was. I guess he could have punted from there, but they ran out there quickly. It was really who are you going to credit? Pete Limbo was brilliant. They ran out there so fast. Notre Dame was confused. And uh, Hunter and Hunter Rogers got down the field uncovered, and of course Kai Kroger is not going to miss you. So it was a fake. It was a fake punt. I guess I should say that. But it's just that it was. It was such kind of like a short formation. It was all done in such a muddle huddle quick mm-hmm. uh, fashion that it was. It was all mixed up. But it was a great call from Pete Limbo as usual. Phil, tw- yeah. what twenty-one points come from special teams? I, I mean, you still you look at that offense and. Uh, it just seemed we couldn't stretch the field. I mean, we just didn't have the receivers. I don't know. I get too wrapped up in it while I'm watching it. But you take away those three scores and, you know, the offense. Okay, now I'm going to chastise you. I'm going to chastise Go you. I don't Go believe ahead. in taking away scores. I mean, well, I don't believe- it's a complete game. It's a complete game. I mean, your special teams. And South Carolina has made special teams now, obviously, a major part of what they do. So, if they do something from special teams, it counts. If the defense gets a turnover and scores on it, it counts. It's all part of playing football. I, you know? I, I, hey, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put check fill, but <laughs> I'm gonna put an X on our offense. Okay. We gotta score more points. Well, uh yeah, Rattler you can't be Houdini every week. You can't have Rattler as your leading rusher. He had thirty seven rushes and Smitty, I gotta believe few of those rushing yards came as predetermined. I got to believe they were all off of scrambles. Yeah, they Amos were for the most early. part. Yep. Amos came in early, ran the ball one time, and then that was it. What? What's up with that? He ran it one time for minus two. Shouldn't have lost those yeah, two yards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, well, should, you know. he shouldn't have lost those two yards. <laughs> the bar should not be set that high, though, Phil. <laughs> Look. I mean, the, the, the strangest one should be Christian – I mean, Christian Bill Smith, for all the hullabaloo about him transferring to South Carolina, they got nothing out of him. He carried yeah. the ball three times for eight yards. Maybe he wasn't healthy. They said he was healthy. Who knows? They never tell the truth about the health of the players. Yeah. You never know who's healthy, who's not healthy. Uh, McDowell carried it six times. So yeah, you blow on him, he'd fall down. So, you know <laughs> – Look, y'all have a good night. Love the show. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you very much. How are the Gamecocks going to get better in the running game? It's an absolutely great question. I mean, how are they going to get better in the running game? I mean, is it is it do they is the offensive lineman? Now they'll be replacing uh, their center. They'll be replacing their right tackle. They'll be replacing their right guard. I think he's gone as well. I think yeah. So the whole right side, the center, the right side, and the two on the left side might need to be replaced because, I mean, they're they're not very – I don't think they're extremely good players on the left side. That whole offensive line might need a revamp. And who knows if it's going to be Greg Atkins coaching them or Lonnie Teasley coaching them next year. That, too, needs to be resolved. But, Phil, then you go back and look at some of their other games, like, for instance, uh, against Tennessee, and that's sort of the high-water mark, obviously, for their offense this year. 153 yards rushing in that ball game against Tennessee. Now, not a great defense, and I would I think we'd all agree probably Notre Dame's was better. But it, it almost got, especially in the second half, and Smitty can speak to this better, but just watching the game on television, it was almost as if they didn't even try in the second half. What, they have Smitty five of their final six drives, I think, in the second half were three and outs? because they basically just threw it every time? 
they did throw it every time. They 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 got to the point where they they realized they weren't making any hay, and so it was either stick with the run game or just give it to, to Rattler three times and and have him try to make a play. And and look, guys, this was not unlike the offensive game plan they ran in the victories against Clemson and Tennessee. They were just making plays down the field. That's why I kept going back to the injuries to Nate Adkins and Juice Wells. I think had Juice Wells been fully healthy, I'm not saying Carolina wins, but I'm saying that they make more plays down the field to Wells. Uh, Imagine that Clemson game, but take the Juice Wells long touchdown pass away, right? They probably don't win that. I've got to chastise you like I just did. Keith, you can't take it away. It happened. Okay. No, I'm saying what I'm pointing out is without his playmaking ability, Uh it's tough to win ball games. And I'm saying he was out there, but he wasn't 100%. Yeah. So in the box, that's why I keep bringing it up because in the box score, it looks like, well, Juice Wells played. It looks like uh, about the whole game. What's the big deal? Yeah. Well, he missed missed some parts of the game and he wasn't 100%. So Spencer Rattler drops back. And now who's he looking for? To carry and Joyner? Well, Joyner, outstanding athlete. That guy, you know, has not taken that many snaps out there with Rattler throughout the season, right? I mean, a Marion Brown, that guy is not a number one receiver. Very good football player. I'm just pointing out, like, and Atkins Chris is getting saying, hurt. Atkins they, getting hurt hurt him too. Atkins right? got hurt. Yeah. It's a tight end. So that, that and now you and there's no Marshawn Lloyd available in the run game. And Juju McDowell is not a traditional number one running back. And as you said, Christian Beal Smith was giving you nothing. So. A lot was put on Spencer Rattler in the second half, and and they almost pulled it off anyway. They almost that's why you saw the fake punt in the first half because Spencer because Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo and that coaching staff knew guys we got we need to be up like three scores mm. because there's no way we can hold up the whole game with as we're you know got this thing put together with duct tape and chicken wire and they mm. just and they almost did it they almost pulled it off they were up 24 to 10 and they almost pulled it off came all the way back with two pick sixes to uh to to tie the game late but it just wasn't enough and so i'm just pointing out that's why i'm really torn on how to look at this bowl game i think there's a part of me that says gamecock fans yeah you should be disappointed and all of that but there's another part of me that says, I don't know. This isn't. This is not anything like the team that's going to take the field against North Carolina to kick off 2023. You won't have these depth issues in September of next year. To Chris's point a minute ago, because he got me curious. In the second half, the Gamecocks had seven offensive drives. Five of those drives were three and outs for a combined negative nine yards. Which, uh, in the comment you just made leads me to wonder how many yards is Drake May going to pass for against the Gamecocks <laughs> in September in Charlotte. Well, but it would be cool. Interceptions, yeah. It would be cool if Rattler comes back. Let's touch on this for a minute and then we'll hit the break and do recruiting. But let's talk about Rattler and coming back, what it would mean for South Carolina um, and why he should come back. Um, I mean, I definitely think he should come back. I don't know what kind of advice he's getting, what people are telling him. Um, he made some great strides this year. Uh, he improved his performance in a number of ways. Uh, I think um, he finally figured out, and I'm not trying to sound like a quarterback guru here, but he you know, kind of figured out how to quiet his feet, I think, uh, in the second half of the season. Um, he, he seemed to – his footwork seemed to be much better, and I think that led to better passes – the ball was just put right on the money in many, many cases. And he just seemed like a calmer, more in-control guy. Now, he did show that in that Arkansas game in week two when they had to rally and he threw for 374 yards. But you know, for many of those games in the middle there, 
It was sort of helter-skelter for him. I think another year of SEC play would do wonders for his resume, would do wonders for his draft stock, certainly would do wonders for South Carolina. He comes back, and let's say Wells comes back with him. I mean, that's an unbelievable one-two punch. Uh, Fix the offensive line. Find yourself a a stud running back. Um, You should have a pretty good offense with some of the receivers they have coming back. I think Leggett can have a great year next year. I think he's gotten better and has proven both as a returner and a receiver. He can be that guy. Um, So, I mean, I'm just saying, Rattler kind of holds the key. Otherwise, it's um, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Luke Doty? Is he finally going to get his chance? Can he do the job? Do you have to change the offense? I mean, the guy who's going to be directing the offense is a pro-style guy. Luke Doty doesn't strike me as a pro-style quarterback. Am I right or wrong? I, he doesn't strike me as a – he strikes no, me as no, a college yeah. quarterback in, mm-hmm. in, the, in, the R, in the RPO era that, you know, runs it as much as he throws it. Not the drop back, stand in the pocket, um, watch your – routes uh, unfold and throw the football yeah he's a lot closer now again I'm, I'm not using these guys as comparison talent wise but at least to explain what they do he's a lot closer to Lamar Jackson than he is Tom Brady yeah 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 and corn and you know what you may have answered <laughs> but your own question, fans however. would take either one I'm sure <laughs> question I'm sure yeah <laughs> You, you may have answered your own question, Corn. because what, how do you fix the Gamecock running game? One thing they might be able to do is if you go with Doty and you steer into that, you lean into that, you may go with a lot more zone read, a lot more RPO, and the threat of the quarterback running may open things up for players from the backfield and may help the offensive line as well. That might be the solution for 2023 in that run game. All right, let's hit the break, and we'll come back with the recruiting report here on Sports Talk, bottom of the hour. A uh, – first edition of first and 10 for 2023 and a final edition of first and 10 for the 2022 season. We'll hear from the coach, Zach Willis, who knows a heck of a lot more than we do. And will be a lot smarter in uh, talking about things than uh, we have been, though. I think we've been, we've been pretty much cutting edge, pretty smart eyes on the ball, having been at the ball games, having a feel for what was going on on the field, on the sidelines, in the post game, we were there. We can share that with you. So we've done our job, but we'll turn it over to the coach to take it to another level coming up in a few minutes. Uh, the USC women, by the way, they are trailing at Georgia 13 to 8. Oi, be back in a moment. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR Major. It's always a good time for folks to remember to get those licenses renewed. Doesn't matter what time of the year, it's always a season in, whether it's fishing or hunting. Make sure to check your licenses, make sure they're up to date. If you need a hunting or fishing license, you may go to www.dnr.sc.gov to purchase your license online or to any local license vendor in your local area. And don't forget to join us for SC Wild from DNR with Major Billy Downer on Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Score a touchdown with Founders Federal Credit Union. With services like Founders Online and the Founders app, you'll enjoy all the perks of a big bank with local personalized service. Not a member? Joining Founders Federal Credit Union is easy. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. 
Relax with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games set from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Join the Trailblaze Challenge, the endurance hike program where big hearts come together for big steps to create hope for local wish families through Make-A-Wish, South Carolina. This spring, take part in a new journey on the Palmetto Trail. From sunrise on the highest peak in South Carolina to the coastal marshes of the Lowcountry, hikers of all levels can support critically ill children, enjoy and explore the outdoors, and build South Carolina pride and community through an all-inclusive hike experience. Visit sctrailblazechallenge.org to learn how to get started. That's sctrailblazechallenge.org. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. The first recruiting report of 2023 brought to you by our good old standbys at Seawells. Don't forget the Seawells Daily Luncheon Buffet. The first one of 2023 will be on Wednesday. Okay, that's when the year really begins. When Seawells, you think the new year begins when Seawells, when they when they drop the ball in New York? No, it's when Seawells drops the roast beef on Wednesday. When that roast beef hits the juicy platter, that's when the new year begins <laughs> in Columbia and you get splashed by that delicious gravy and you're licking gravy off your forearm and all that kind of good stuff. Make plans to get over to Seawells for the daily luncheon buffet on Wednesday. They're back in action Wednesday from 11 till 2. And, of course, now a new year means a lot of things you got coming up. You got weddings. You got uh, anniversaries. You got uh, what else? graduations you got birthdays you got all kind of things coming up you need the best in the catering business you just give seawells a call they'll come to you or host at their facility on rosewood drive their phone number is 803-771-7385 so south carolina obviously still looking for some help on the offensive line and sunday they offered sydney fugar 66330 a transfer from Western Illinois with three years of eligibility remaining, and they are in great shape with him. He's been talking with offensive analyst and fill-in offensive line coach Lonnie Teasley. The conversations have gone well, and he calls the Gamecocks his favorites right now. Fugar is a native of Waldorf, Maryland. He has known Teasley since Teasley was at North Carolina Central, obviously recruited him back then. 
and he likes how he has kind of slimmed down over the years, and he likes his uh, kick step. He likes his punch, and so the Gamecocks are going after him. Now, things are going to move quickly. He plans to visit Cincinnati in a couple of days and then visit USC this weekend. Transfers have a period of time during this dead period when they can visit, and so he's going to do that. He's also looking at Memphis for a possible visit. So keep an eye on this one for uh, South Carolina. Since entering the portal back in December, he's also received offers from Murray State, Northern Arizona, Southern Illinois, Northwestern State, Troy, Hawaii, Eastern Kentucky, ODU, and East Carolina. If you ask me, if I'm a transfer and I get an offer from Hawaii, I'm taking a visit. (laughs) There's no question. They're hosting me for an official visit. Absolutely. Uh, He played in nine games this season. He was named the team's offensive lineman of the year, appeared in one game in 21, and was redshirted. New Year's Day was cut down day for several players as they shortened their list to some degree. Safety K.J. Bolden of Buford, Georgia, has Clemson and USC in his top 15. (laughs) Here we go. As Mike Morgan would say, Georgia, Florida State, Michigan State, Oregon, Alabama, Ohio State, Colorado, LSU, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Michigan, Ole Miss, and Southern Cal. Then there's defensive tackle Heaven Brown Schuler has USC and Clemson in his top 13. With Georgia, Michigan, Penn State, Colorado, Southern Cal, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, North Carolina, Oregon, and Virginia. Then there is King Joseph Edwards. And he cut his list to 15. He's a defensive end. USC, Alabama, Georgia, NC State, Southern Cal, Ohio State, Penn State, Oregon, Cincinnati, Texas, Texas A&M, Michigan, Michigan State, Pitt, and Oklahoma. Clemson cornerback offer Charles Lester III of Sarasota. He did not include the Tigers in his top five. Florida State, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. Transfer offensive lineman Marcellus Johnson, who's been offered by USC. He picked up offers over the weekend from Colorado and Auburn. Also recently from Virginia, Oklahoma State, Illinois, Kansas, Wisconsin, and Missouri. Daniel wide receiver Eli Merck was offered a PWO opportunity at Oklahoma. Heck of a receiver. He had 171 catches, 3,270 yards, and 49 touchdowns during the season. He also played in the Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl. He had four catches, for 59 yards and one of 35 yards. In basketball, USC target 6'2", Elijah Crawford was offered by Mississippi State. And USC's in the top 12 with 6'10", Ace Bailey of Powder Springs, Georgia. That reminds me, Ace Bailey reminds me of the Ace Basin down in uh, the Low Country. You know what makes up the Ace Basin? Anybody name the three rivers that make the uh, Ace Basin? The word Ace is uh, the first letter off of each of the rivers. Think about that. The I other mean, schools got to be one of them. The other schools on his list? No, it's not. The other really? schools on the list are Kentucky, Georgia, Rutgers, Auburn, Texas, Memphis, Tennessee, Kansas, West Virginia, Arkansas, and Oregon. And there you go with recruiting. Brought to you by Seawells. One is the Ashapoo. 
Uh, one well, is I could the, only the Cumbahee and the Edisto. Edisto. <laughs> On the Cumbahee. Yeah, okay, the Cumbahee. Cumbahee. Yeah. Be right back. All right, let me update a couple of things. Penn State's taking a 21-14 lead on Utah, 4-12 to go in the third quarter. And the Georgia women continue to lead South Carolina 22-17 with 4-15 to go in the second quarter playing that game in Athens. And uh, the uh, leading scorers right now for South Carolina, you have got uh, uh, Boston's only got two points. Two points, four rebounds. Um, Cook's got six points. She is the leading scorer for the Gamecocks, who are shooting 27% from the floor. Six of 22, and Georgia 10 of 22. So they are, they're down right now. It does not sound like the Gamecocks took their shooting touch with them, but there's still plenty of time left. We'll see Turnovers. what happens. Turnover is a big story in that game early. USC already hit mm, 10, and Georgia that. scored 10 points off turnovers. Yep. And again, for whatever reason, the Gamecocks continue to rely on threes. Oh, One of eight from three-point yeah, range. It makes yeah. zero sense with that team and their height inside. Yeah, for for being such a terrific player, Cook, she's 0 for 5 mm-hmm. from three uh, to this point. So, okay, let's get back to football. We've done the best that we can to kind of break down the USC-Clemson bowl losses on Friday. Let's welcome in for one final edition of First and Ten with Zach Willis, the coach. Zach Willis, he uh, has uh, he's watched the games live. He's looked at the replays. He's broken down the videos. He's uh, done the X's and the O's, in this case, the X's and the woes for the Gamecocks <laughs> and the Tigers. Good, uh, great to have you with us. We did a poll uh, last week for our listeners, and the poll question was, um, you know, how are things going to turn out for the for the bowl games? And only six percent of the voters, six hundred fifty-one votes, six point eight percent thought both would lose. Uh, most people thought that um, USC would win, Clemson would lose, or both would win. But six point eight, almost seven percent said both would lose. Nobody, none of us thought both teams would lose. What was your reaction? Were you? Were you shocked? Were you stupefied? Were you not surprised by what you saw? Uh, you know, I was really – I was a 50-50 guy. I knew South Carolina was going to have – I thought they'd have a harder road because of the mass exodus of players that were critical for them in their ball game going up against the team. When I researched Notre Dame's uh, quarterback leaving, I realized the guy returning actually beat him out of the starting job in, in camp and got hurt. And – he he wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of difference. If anything, this kid was more athletic. Uh, was a little bit rusty early, but he came on late. But I I mean, it's a mixed reaction for me. I was really uh, proud, uh, if you can use that word as an analyst, of the effort and the game planning that South Carolina did. The way they came out and played, they used everything. They, their their gun was empty when they finished that ball game. And unfortunately, they they gave everything they had in the first three quarters, and with no depth on defense, nor offense for that matter, not too much. They just ran out of gas. And, and Notre Dame was a better team, and it showed at the end of the game. Um, that offensive line is one of the best in the country. I think they're better than Michigan. And if you watch both those games, you could probably see that. Uh, with Clemson, boy, um, I don't know how deep you want me to go off the start, but I'll just say deep. pretty disappointed. Deep. Deep. 
well, extremely disappointed. Um, very, uh, you know, in, in the first half alone, the lost opportunities in the red zone, uh, you know, dominated between the 20s and just could not make a field goal. You know, the fake field goal was there. All you got to do is pitch the ball. If he stumbles and falls, he's got 15 yards. He's probably going to score. Just pitch the ball. And then B.T. Potter, you know, it just shows you how good my old buddy Nelson Welch was at kicking field goals back in the day. He finally broke his record, but if they're going to lose the bowl game, I wish Nelson could have kept the record. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm sorry I'm biased. Don't know B.T. Nelson's my buddy. But, but you know, I felt, I felt for him. But they took, looked to me like they took a few steps backwards, and they didn't lose the number of people that South Carolina. In fact, Tennessee, I thought, had lost more with two All-American receivers and Hendon Hooker out. Man, you couldn't tell it. They played a great game. Uh, although, if you look at the numbers, Clemson dominated many categories but just could not capitalize and finish. And that is a big word in coaching. If you know how to win, you know you got to finish, and they didn't finish well. Uh, Zach Will is joining us here on Sports Talk. Zach, uh, something we've talked about tonight is that Clemson seemed to if, not abandon the run, but it didn't. they didn't enter with that game plan. They came out with a game plan. It looked like they were going to lay it on the arm of Cade Klubnick. Tell us, you know, take us into, into the room and the coaching staff as you prep for a bowl game. Why do you think that happened, and do you have the same take on that? Well, I mean, I think that's a very it, – it certainly appeared. Now, when you look at the stats, they were – times we, we saw them run the ball at will at times and then seemingly abandoned the run. Reason for it, I don't know. I do know this. Early in that ball game, that's the worst Clemson's offensive lines performed probably since they started going to the, the Final Four. I mean, you got guys not picking up easy blitzes. I know that Notre Dame ran an odd front, which means that three-man front. A couple of times in the ball game, they gave them some different looks. But, you know, their guards, guys that were starters, were making really crazy uh, mistakes and errors. They were letting people run through untouched. It was almost like when South Carolina was struggling, especially in the Muschamp era, it looked like that. You know, the kids didn't. And then they kind of rallied back and, and got through that. And of course, began to move the ball extremely well and dominated time of possession. But that was another one, just, just lined up and ran it run it right at Tennessee. They're not going to stop the running game. And then Clubnick could come off of that with play action, which they didn't do a ton of. Um, and But but it, he's a young freshman quarterback. Dabo mentioned that. I guess their thought was maybe these passes would be easier. To me, running the ball with the running backs you have, the offensive line you have, would have been the safer, effective way to go. But they're probably going to come back and say, well, we missed we miss three field goals. Had another fake that didn't go well. And then that clock management at the end of the first half, I never thought I'd see that out of a Clemson football team, at least not by this coaching staff anyway. That was crazy. Hmm. First and 10 with Zach Willis looking back on the uh, bowl season for the Gamecocks and uh, Tigers. And, uh, Coach, were you ever part of a, a ball game where your team had 14 more first downs, possessed the football, say, 13 more minutes, or – scored two defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown and end up losing both of those games the way USC and Clemson did? Um, I'm sure somewhere in my losses there was one of those. I think we had to go up and play, um, I want to say, uh, Moorhead State, a 1AA program when I was at Newberry, and we lost in the last minute of the game. And it was pretty much the same kind of deal. We just could not convert. We got down inside the red zone. I think Josh threw an interception. Joe Don Reams, who was a great Clemson player, baseball, and transferred to us. 
I think he 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 dropped one, which he I never seen the kid drop one going back to Seneca. So <laughs> you, you have those you have those nights, and, and I felt for, I felt for both coaches, but I'll say this: I felt like South Carolina did everything they could, and honestly, Clemson didn't look like Clemson. You know, they got a freshman quarterback. They look like Clemson against North Carolina. I think we all thought they're back. They blew them off the field. Tennessee's defense isn't that great. But it, it just, when he, I think when Potter, the missed fake field goal and then Potter missing three, nobody. We've never seen him do that. So I think it, 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 ha, it has an impact on you. Kicking game is always the last thing people evaluate in the mainstream media and one of the most vital areas. Nick Saban's lost more games off bad kickers. Hmm. And probably anybody in recent memory is this a super successful coaching. So he can tell you about it. I know Coach Holtz talked to and tell stories about losing games that way. We all have. And I, I feel like it's just did, did, did Carolina and Clemson play well? Heck yeah, they played well. Should they have won? I think South Carolina honestly did everything they could. Notre Dame was just better. I think Clemson's lost opportunities really, really, really hurt them in a ball game I thought they were going to win with no problem. And I'm curious, so you don't have to deal with this when you were coaching, but you would now in terms of the transfer portal. And I want to use mm. Grayson McCall at Coastal Carolina as an example, but he's, he's not alone in this regard. But players that say they're going to enter the transfer portal go and then come back to the program. Would you welcome someone like a Grayson McCall back to your program, just using him as an example? Or once they went into the transfer portal, would you try and make sure they ended up someplace else? Well, um, it depends on the kid. There, there's different reasons for in, entering the transfer portal. And actually, in, you know, in small college ball, this is nothing new. There's a, a process. It's too loosey-goosey right now. But we, we thrived off of transfers from bigger schools coming down to play at the different small colleges I was at. You know, most of my star players, well, the, uh, there were a few that were homegrown, so to speak. But, you know, the rest of them were signed, Division One signees. If a kid is looking, he's got questions, Sometimes they go in now and so they don't have to have permission to go in. They don't have to have a signature for a fact from a faculty athletic rep. They can go in their dorm room. Heck, they can sit in Starbucks and enter the transfer portal. <laughs> That's a reckless uh, 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 clause in that policy that they've enacted. I don't know what they can do to fix it, but they need to have be able to sit now. So, yes, I would welcome them back now because they get one night they get down, they get the fight with a girlfriend, maybe a, a parent closer to home sick and they're way away from home, and they jump in there impulsively, then you have to have the conversation about whether or not you leave with a coach that you should have had. And, and back, legislatively, it was mandated beforehand that we had to sign off. Now, there's none of that. And, and so maybe Grayson has finally gotten to meet the new coach, whatever the case may be, and he says, hey, you know what? It's not so bad. I'm going to stay. I'm, he, he's a big man on campus where he's at. I'm, I would take him back to heart, but he's a great kid from what I heard. And it was obvious in that ball game until he got hurt. And I got to watch him. He he got hurt scoring. He left, he definitely wasn't sliding. <laughs> he was going head first. And, and so it, it, it's a case-by-case basis. But we need to all remember one thing. These kids now, yes, they can get paid, but they're, they're still kids. And their parents – or usually, like my folk, I came from a broken home. If somebody walked around and said, hey, you can have a million dollars to come play at the school, I support some booster collective, which we have no control over those people that I know of. I'm, it's going to be hard for me to say no and I can help my grandparents live in a way they, nobody in our family has ever lived in, in the history of our family that we can go back until we came over on the boat. We were always poor. You know, you, you got to look at the socioeconomic 
and educational ramifications of what's going on here if you're a head coach and, and you love your players and understand, okay, you know, uh, the, the, the media, it, no, you guys ask phenomenal questions. And honestly, if you want to know why South Carolina lost that game, their, their two leading rushers were gone. They had no, the kid, the Atkins kid needs an award for the guts he showed the way he's played at the end of this year. He is a He's a true coach's son, and it makes you proud to see a coach's kid. And Greg Atkins is a, a great guy anyway. It makes you proud to see him do what he did. But everybody doesn't have mom and dad and, you know, leave it to beaver type. Uh, Ozzy and Harry, maybe I'm out aging myself there, but hmm. that kind of background, you know, and, and they're looking, oh, I can make this money and send it back to mom and dad. That's Most of our kids that got their pill money went back home to help the parents pay bills pay, or help mom or grandmama really a lot of times who was raising them. So you got to give a little leniency there, but at the end of the day, the transfer portal crippled South Carolina. Shane Beamer did an absolutely phenomenal job, and I hope they're renegotiating his contract because he's proven he can do it. Doesn't matter how. Uh, I heard one guy say, well, he's a little goofy. Well, goofy wins, buddy, because he got as much out of that team and the game plan against special teams, Pete Limbo, phenomenal, and the defense improved. Look how good the offensive line played. Notre Dame isn't a joke. Ask Clemson about them. They can tell you. And they played a great game. Clemson played hard. They just, they just made a few mistakes down the stretch. And it, those things happen. At the end of the day, we had two teams with great years. Coastal still had a great year. I'm not. I wanted to see them all win. We all did. And I know the Carolina Clemson people want each team playing to crash or whatever, and they'll say they do. But the truth of the matter is, you know, <laughs> well, I've heard them say it. You've heard them. I've heard them tell me. You know, I've got relatives that would say when I coach South Carolina, I love you, and I'll, I'll coach I'll, as long as you coach there. I'll pull for you. But one time time of year, and I hope y'all's bus breaks down the way or whatever, but, you know, that's good fun, and you get a good laugh out of it, but when real life inserts itself, we have to have some compassion and some forgiveness if a kid's impulsive. I would always at least take the option to sit down with that young man, even if he's already entered, and say, let's let's take a look at this. What's best for you? You know, the NFL thing's different, but I will say one thing. They interviewed Notre Dame's two NFL draft guys, and they made the mistake. It wasn't really a mistake. It's a very good question. What have you been doing since you left the team getting ready for the – well, you know, it's a complex process. This was an answer both of them gave. Complex process. I've been spending time with family and just trying to recover from the season. They ain't been doing nothing. That's what they've been doing. They got out of bowl practice, which some guys – we used to have two-a-day bowl practices. Ask folks that played for Danny Ford. <laughs> they would had two-a-days again. Bowl practice is tough. Because you develop people, you scrimmage a lot, and the last week you prepare for your opponent. You want to qualify for that bowl because at least an extra month of practice you get in over people that don't qualify. So it's a grind. Nobody's on campus. Your girlfriend's gone home to spend the holidays. None of your buddies are there. It's just you there by yourself with your teammates until you go to the bowl site. Now, I'm going to be honest, those bowl practices aren't <coughs> any fun either. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on that when I rate these things and look at them, I'm really not happy that they, any of them lost. I want them all to win. I live in Kentucky. I'm going to talk trash to everybody about how good South Carolina, state of South Carolina football is. But, you know, that's how I see it. I think that I, I get frustrated with this transfer portal stuff because it's not in the best interest of the kids. They're not looking out for them the way they need to. They need to have people around them to advise them and help them to understand this. They only go through it one time. 
and you got agents and you got people at other schools and collectives that have been doing this type of work for 20 years versus a family who's never had any idea of what they're dealing with and nobody to advise and help them unless they ask for it. So I, I would ask for leniency with the players and a little bit more rules for these collectives because it's like the Wild West right now. Anybody can call up some kid and say, hey, we're going to offer you a million dollars, $500,000, and it's a bidding war to get these kids in. They're not knowing if this kid's going to fit their culturally, socially, academically, or anything. They don't look at that at all. So take it easy on the kids and try to tighten things down these adults who are flashing this money at them. That's a great statement and a great way to wrap it up for this year. And we'll see what things develop over the next several months in college football. There's so many issues to be dealt with. And we'll see if anybody steps up and takes the um, you know, the dog by the tail here and say, okay, you know, we, we gotta fix this, we gotta tighten this up, we gotta make this work better. We'll see what happens over the next several months. As always, we thank you for being a part of Sports Talk and sharing your thoughts with us uh, every week. Can't wait to have you back with us come next uh, August. Let's see, the Gamecocks will be uh, taking on North Carolina to open the season, so get ready for that. And Clemson will be opening up against, uh, I think it's Charleston Southern. They open up okay. against, nope, nope, that's, um, that would be September 9th. Who was their, who was their first game against? They got to go back here and find who their first game against. But whatever the case may be, we'll be talking to you about it, sir, come next summer, and have a great off season, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you for your time as always. Well, I'm honored to be here, and thanks to all the folks out there that listen and comment. I really appreciate you guys. Have a great year, Phil. Okay, Zach. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. The Coach, Zach Willis, first and ten with us here on Sports Talk. And there's only one way to equal that. Tomorrow night, 7.05, our final edition of Chalk Talk for uh, this football season with Chuck Reedy and uh, Ellis Johnson. That's right. More analysis. We'll break it down. And uh, they'll be with us uh, tomorrow night. So we look forward to that. We'll hit the break and be back in just a moment. Life. It has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit playresponsiblysc.com. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach.
So it must be an ACC team that Clemson will open up against because there are four non-ACC games. Those dates are set. Charleston Southern, September 9, that's at Clemson. Florida Atlantic the next week, that's at Clemson. Notre Dame at home, November 4th. And the Gamecocks in Columbia, November 25th. So it's going to be an ACC team to open. You don't think they'll put the Florida State game at Clemson on Labor Day weekend, do you? Would they do that? No, because you know how stupid college football is with Labor Day games. It's got to be neutral site games. So it would be somebody who wouldn't draw very well at home, i.e. Georgia Tech, (laughs) that you'd put in a neutral site game. If they were going to play Florida State, they'd have to do it at a neutral site. I doubt either school would agree to that. Would they make the Tigers – Sorry, Georgia Tech and Louisville, by the way, are doing exactly what you're saying, Chris, and they're playing in the Chick-fil-A kickoff next year. So that takes away one of those games. Yeah. Um, and Louisville is not on Clemson's schedule. for ne- Wait a minute. It has to be. Um, da, 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 no, no, remember, next year there's no, no more, next more year's, uh, divisions. Oh, you're so. right. You're right. There is no division. Yep. So Clemson's I'll, I'll tell you ACC a fun one. games. Let me mention this real quick, Smitty. Clemson's ACC games next year then. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Home to Florida State, Georgia Tech. Wake Forest, and North Carolina. Those are their home ACC games. Their road ACC games are Duke, NC State, Syracuse, and North Carolina. So, you know what? And No, no, I'm sorry. I said North Carolina's home at Miami. Let me do that again. Duke, NC State, Syracuse, and Miami are their uh, road games. And I can tell you all about getting to Miami and where to stay if you need any advice on that right now (laughs) and how to get around Hard Rock Stadium. Um, But go ahead, Smitty. Oh, I, I, that's the point I was going to bring up, that next year's the new model, and I don't know what the dates would look like, but, boy, you wouldn't want to be uh, Mac Brown in North Carolina if you had to open with South Carolina and Clemson in back-to-back weeks, would you? In, uh, in no, the, that can't like happen because Clemson, Clemson's already set for September 9th, Charleston Southern. Well, guys, here's something I'm seeing here that may give us a little clarity. Uh, Clemson was previously scheduled to open the 2023 season at home against Wofford, However, Wofford instead will travel to take on Pitt on that same date. It's currently unknown whether that game will be rescheduled. Uh, hold on, skipping ahead there. It, this, this shows as of now Clemson's opening game will be hosting Charleston Southern on September 9th. So no. unless they've changed that. They're not going to they, skip Labor Day. They wouldn't Day. open up on. No. They wouldn't have a bye no. at the beginning. No, They'll, no they're going to have an ACC game to open up. Maybe on the road. Maybe they're going to put them on the road at Duke or State or. Syracuse or Miami, who knows? And Chris, you got a nice little trip to open up the 23 season, you dog. Yeah, as soon as Utah and Penn State get tired of uh, tearing up the field at the Rose Bowl, the next game that will actually be in there will be UCLA and Coastal Carolina to open up the season next year. Oh, my. Year. Oh, my. <laughs> what a place for Tim Beck to begin his career that? with yeah. the Shauna Clears out in the Rose Bowl against UCLA. Penn State's winning, by the way, 35-14 going to the fourth quarter. Um yeah, that'll be a fun trip, man. That'd be a fun trip. You need somebody to carry your basketball. luggage or anything, or you know, absolutely handle your microphones for you or anything like that. I've been out there for basketball. Going to Paulie's was a bucket list item for sure. I, I want to go see the Rose Bowl though in person as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. And of course, South Carolina will be opening up in Charlotte against North Carolina. Drake May and company. And, you know, look, great opportunity for South Carolina's offense against that putrid North Carolina defense. I can't believe they'll be any better next year. But they better have their defense in line because, yep. you know, Drake May is capable of, of eating them up, depending on who he's got to throw to. Uh, is Caleb Downs going to be back? 
is it Caleb, whichever Downs kid that is, the Downs kid, the wide receiver, is he back next year at North Carolina? If he is, look out because he is he is hard to cover. Uh, USC women uh, looking at a three-point deficit as we go to the second half, trailing in Athens 29-26. And uh, I got a feeling they're going to turn this thing around. I can't believe that Boston only took two shots in the yeah. first half. Way too much reliance on the three-point shot. I realize that Georgia and every other team that Carolina uh, faces playing zone, but you need to attack the zone inside because you're too good well, on the interior. Cook took 11 shots, mm-hmm. and everybody else took combined took like – well, Cardoso took seven. But uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. That'll do it. Thank you for being with us. Have a great night. See you tomorrow.